Well, shares are rising again. Jobs are opening up in the United States. People are buying houses. And, uh, OK, AstraZeneca has had a slight setback on its vaccine trials. And New Zealand has seen bond yields dip into negative territory. But the news is more good than bad this morning. So what stance is the ECB going to take later on? Are they going to be glass half empty or glass half full? Is the glass emptying or is it filling up? Do they need to do more? And what about the rising euro? What are they going to do about that? It's Thursday, the 10th of September, 2020. It's the morning. Morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks have bounced back as if nothing had ever happened. Almost 3% up for the Nasdaq, 2.7% for the S&P 500, 2.1% for the Dow. It's also up in Europe, 1.4% for the FTSE 100, 1.8% for the Eurostox 50. And to show it's like old times of, you know, a week or so ago, the U.S. dollar is down a quarter percent on the DXY, a 0.9% rise in the Aussie dollar, 0.6% for the Canadian dollar, 0.3% for the euro, a little less for the pound, about 0.2% up. Up two basis points for 10-year treasuries, three for 30 years. In the UK, 10-year guild yields are up five basis points. Whilst it's the opposite in Australia, we'll look at this today, 10-year yields are down eight basis points, down five basis points in New Zealand. And WTI is up 3.5%. Brent back over $40 a barrel. It's up 2.4%. And gold is up too, up 0.8%. Uh, and uh, that's on COMEX. And then silver is up over 1%. So if in doubt, assume it's all going up today, whatever it is, apart from, of course, the, the mighty dollar. Uh, Tapa Strickland is up too, uh, rather earlier than he'd like, I suspect. Direct economics from markets at NAV in Sydney. So it looks like the bargain hunters, is that what's happening here? They've chipped into US equities, uh, the climb continues, uh, or has the last few days been just a bit of a foretaste of what's to come? Have you got a crystal ball there with you, uh, Tapas, to tell us what equities are going to do next? Good morning, Phil. I would love a crystal ball, and if any of our listeners out there have one, I would uh, definitely uh, be very happy to uh, Make your job it. a lot easier. Um, in terms of uh, what's really driving the rally that we've seen overnight, uh, I think it is that kind of buy the dip mentality. When you look at the big movers, it was really the uh, key tech stocks such as uh, Apple, Facebook, and uh, Tesla reversing uh, a lot of the sharp declines that we saw yesterday. So very much uh, sentiment-driven and very much uh, driven mm. by a buy-the-dip uh, rally there. Uh, opinion on the street is still very much divided in terms of the valuations in the uh, tech sector space, and there's likely to be a lot of discussions yeah. on And this. bonds are telling us there's a bit of caution in the air. It's in- interesting, actually, uh, you know, I mean, there is there's a bit of positivity around with some of the news today, uh, although AstraZeneca, the fact that their vaccine trials have been halted because one of their test subjects has fallen ill, uh, was was a bit of a blow, particularly with a president hoping vaccines are going to be rolled out before the election on the 3rd of November. But, but the last 24 hours, I mean, the, the news has been fairly good, hasn't it? Particularly in Australia, if we look at consumer confidence, that's lifted. We've had a big increase in home loans for July. You know, as so long as you don't mention the uh, the lockdown word in in Victoria or tensions with China. Uh, it, it's looking pretty good, isn't it, in Australia at the moment? Oh, definitely. So uh, in, in Australia, looking fairly positive. And really, I think this is characteristic of most of the data right across the world is we do have control of the virus. You've seen a, quite a sharp rebound in economic activity. A key reason why is because all those government stimulus payments have met household and business balance sheets in a little bit better position than many people had feared at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, so yesterday, uh, consumer sentiment for September in Australia rose by 18% uh, to 93.8 from 79.5. And just worth noting, that rebound in the index means that consumer sentiment in Australia is just 1.6 below the average over the six months prior to the pandemic. Uh, so consumers are fairly optimistic uh, in Australia on that measure and really driven by expectations for the economy in the years ahead. 
And so, again, key key for that is the control of the virus in, say, the larger states of New South Wales, uh, in in uh, Queensland and in WA, and even in Victoria, the average daily case counts have now started to edge lower, and it's a little bit of light at the end of what has been a very dark tunnel for for Victoria. So, what's the story with bond yields then? Because we've we've seen uh, you know recently big big fall in Oz yields are down over one percent at the end of August. Now they're uh, they're down below zero point nine percent in New Zealand. Three year yields moved below zero for the first time, gone into negative territory just after the RBN said uh, it was it was open to setting negative rates. Central banks just need to say it, and it happens, it seems. Uh, but, you know, if we if we look in, in Europe and in the United States, bond yields are going in the opposite direction. Yeah, so there has been an interesting um, divergence occurring in the commentary around the need for additional stimulus. So in uh, New Zealand, uh, very much of the view that uh, the uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand will take rates into negative territory. Uh, and as some indication of that, uh, you did see uh, New Zealand uh, government bond yields uh, dip into negative territory for the first time. And just reflective of how potentially long the period of low rates will be in New Zealand, the five-year rate closed uh, barely positive at 0.03% and down five basis points on the day. So uh, it does suggest um, that uh, markets are viewing uh, very low rates in New Zealand for, for quite some time and that the RBNZ will take rates into negative. Uh, but when you look uh, elsewhere, it looks like a little bit more optimism is starting to creep into central banks. So the uh, Bank of Canada met uh, overnight and uh, the commentary in their report was a little bit more yep. upbeat, recognising a bounce back in activity in the third quarter looks to be faster than anticipated in July. Uh, and indeed, in some respect, you're seeing that in Australia, in those uh, home loan approvals data that you mentioned uh before And as a consequence, the Bank of Canada has tweaked some of the language uh, in its policy statement. Uh, while it kept the pledge about keeping rates low for a long time, it dialed back its willingness to take even more aggressive action. And it basically said uh, if uh, further stimulus is required, then it's going to come through quantitative easing and really didn't say too much about uh, lowering rates any further. So I think that's quite, quite significant. Uh, the ECB meets later tonight and uh, some commentary um, – uh, at least some headlines from some anonymous policymakers suggest uh, uh, things in Europe are looking a little bit more 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 positive. Whereas most people going into the meeting, in terms mm. of market sense, are expecting a dovish tilt. Um, with most survey participants still expecting further stimulus to come, probably at the December meeting. Um, so uh, an interesting divergence uh, just occurring, say, between the Bank of Canada and uh, the uh, European Central Bank versus the RBNZ, and to some extent the RBA, where in their prior policy statement it said that the board was uh, considering what more they could do. Right. So the ECB, I mean, the one thing they do have, the challenge they do have, of course, is the fact that because, because we've been seeing the, the US dollar weakening, we've seen the euro strengthening, which obviously makes uh, pushes up export prices. So that that's something that I'm not quite sure if there's much the ECB can do about that, but that will that will be a challenge for, for Europe's recovery, won't it? Oh, definitely. And uh, we'll be looking quite closely for commentary over the recent appreciation of the euro. Um, as, as you were saying, there's not too much uh, the ECB can do uh, regarding that directly or at least express willingness to do something on, on that directly. Uh, but just worth noting, uh, survey participants still expect uh, the ECB to ease policy sometime in the next uh, six months. Uh, around 63% of survey participants still expect the increase in the pandemic emergency purchase program by March 2021. So they are uh, issuing new forecasts though, aren't they? So are they revising upwards or downwards? What are, what are we expecting from them? Uh, what do we expect... Uh, the projections for um, G- GDP and for inflation to only really show slight changes uh, to the outlook uh, from from June. Um, 
So I think that should be relatively positive in the sense that things are no longer deteriorating relative to their forecast. And it looks like they're becoming a little bit more confident in their forecast for a recovery in the region as well. Now, it seems like the US, even though they haven't been uh, pushing ahead with any further stimulus because they can't get anyone to agree with it, uh, the, I mean, the, the data is still looking fairly good out of the US. So if you look at the mortgage applications, they're up. So a job up, openings up from uh, 6 million in June to 6.6 million in July. These are the jolts figures. Uh, the only downside of all of this is the rate of hiring has fallen quite a bit, so from around 7 million to 5.8 million. So that that says there's lots of jobs. They're just the wrong ones, which I guess shows, which is obvious, isn't it, really? We, you know, there's a structural change going on here as a result of this virus. Oh, definitely. So um, I think w- I listened to one commentator recently, and uh, they were saying uh, over the past three months, uh, around five years' worth of change has, has occurred. And so uh, in that kind of sense, there are going to be some fairly mm-hmm. large structural changes occurring, and you're likely to get uh, st- structural um Oh, sorry, higher structural unemployment coming out of this. Uh, in terms of uh, the US uh, pace of uh, recovery, it, uh, I would have to say it is uh, surprising that it is continuing to surprise um, expectations there. Uh, and again, some notion that uh, consumers and households are less scarred by the pandemic that many people had uh, initially feared. And I think a lot of that has to do with the demographic uh, impacts of COVID-19 with uh, those uh, relatively younger, um, less impacted by the virus in terms of the medical sense, and obviously those who are older more impacted. Now, the pound's not been gaining as much as uh, everyone else on this falling US dollar. They're certainly at the bottom of the sort of the, the majors league, uh, up about 0.1 or 0.2%. They've still got this Brexit uncertainty, plus a bit more of a lockdown announced today. No more than six people can meet uh, so it might be that they've just cancelled Christmas uh, in the UK. Well, at least you won't have the in-laws around, which some people might actually be quite might actually see this as being quite a good move. But it's not looking very good, is it, at the moment? I mean, you've got that, you've got the rising infections, and and then you've got Brexit. So not surprising that we've got all this uncertainty that's uh, that's hurting the pound. Uh, definitely, and uh, cable was down at zero point three percent overnight, uh, just holding at that one. 130 uh, level uh, and uh, playing whether it will break through that that level. And uh, as you're saying, some uh, key uh, uh, impacts there. Uh, I guess in the lead up to um, October 15, uh, there'll be a lot more headlines ar- ar- around Brexit and, the, and that internal markets bill uh, in terms of uh, the withdrawal agreement is very much viewed in the line of a bit of brickmanship in order to get a deal across the line. And uh, that's the way markets are still viewing it on, on, on the whole. Uh, but we'll have to uh, look quite closely those are key developments over the next month. Right, okay. We'll get uh, PPI for August for the United States tonight, don't we? We also get, uh, obviously, the, the, the ECB decision is the, is the big news this afternoon or this evening, which we've already talked about. And uh, those weekly uh, jobless claims, initial jobless claims for the United States, which you'd hope will go down a bit, but you never know. The expectation is that they're going to keep on falling a little bit, isn't it? Yes, I'd be looking quite closely at that. Uh, the expectation there is for uh, initial jobless claims to dip to 850,000 from 881,000. Uh, and uh, a lot of focus on that, especially just given the uh, decline in the unemployment benefit uh, supplement. Yeah. And it looks like uh, Congress is still not yet willing to agree to a second round of uh, stimulus yet. Yeah. And those PPI numbers, we, we hope there's a bit of inflation. We hope uh, deflation isn't going to be uh, spreading around the world. Uh, yes, uh, but wherever you look around the world, uh, the impact of COVID-19 has been overwhelmingly disinflationary. It looks like the supply side of the global economy has been maintained, uh, while uh, COVID-19 has presented a massive uh, 
demand shock to the global economy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. We'll see what the ECB does later on. Great to talk, Tapas. Catch you again very soon. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. And it's back to Gavin tomorrow. It's been Tapas Gavin, Tapas Gavin. That's because everyone else is on holiday. But uh, Gavin's going to round off the week for us on the morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you on Friday morning. Friday morning.